This podcast is brought to you by Samaritan Ministries. And if you're unhappy with your current health insurance choices, I really encourage you to take a look at this website, mysamaritanstory.org. Thank you for sponsoring this podcast. Welcome to Charisma Connections. I'm Steve Green, and I'm so excited about the interview that we have coming up with the noted author, speaker, pastor, and today we're going to talk about his latest book, Good or God. So it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast studio by use of telephone, Mr. John Bevere. Brother, God bless you, and thank you for joining this podcast. Dr. Green, it's a pleasure to be with you. I have so much respect for what you do and for Charisma Media and for all of Strength Communications. You know, i got to say, I'm just so thankful because Steve Strang believed in the message God gave me in the beta Satan years ago, yes. took a gamble, and I'm so thankful that he listened to the Lord because so many people's lives have been impacted and saved from the deadly trap of offense. So it's a real pleasure being with you. Amen. Hey, you know, you mentioned the book Bait of Satan, your first book, and still a great big seller for us. We just sell so many copies of that book every year. Do you still hear comments from your readers about it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I do. And comments that bring me to tears, you know, people that were just ready to give up on ministry, give up on marriage, give up on life. And they read the book and realized how that they had been brought in a trap. And the book helped walk them through how to get free from it and back into enjoying the presence of God and the abundant life that he's called us to. So it it just brings me to tears. It really does. So it was 20 years ago that you wrote it. Is that right? 21 years ago. I'm mm-hmm. feeling really young right now. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> of course, I was in diapers 21 years ago. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm lying. So, real quickly, if you were to give a one-line takeaway on Bait of Satan, because I, I know there's several people that are still reading it, would love to go pick it up today. Give us a one-line takeaway. Well, a person that cannot forgive is a person that truly is either never realized what they've been forgiven of or has forgotten what they've been forgiven of. Mm, that's good. That'll preach every Sunday, won't it? Yeah, well, we deserve to burn in hell forever and ever. That was our just mm. reward. And yet word. God chose to forgive us when we didn't deserve it. And he forgave us before we ever said we were sorry. Amen. So if we would use that pattern, because the Bible tells us to forgive one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us, if we would use that pattern in our lives, we would never fall into the trap of being offended. That's so good. Tell us a bit where you've been and what you've been doing since you wrote the book. I know 20 years is a quick update, and we're going to get to good or God in just a moment, but I want to hear you bring us up to date. I know my life was changed by your book on honor. It was an amazing book. I don't know how much you hear about that book even today, but it it really had a profound blessing effect on me when I understood what it means to give honor. You know, that book, that, or I should say that message, mm-hmm. uh, is probably one of my favorite, one of my top favorite things to preach on of anything I preach. And the reason is, is because it so impacted my life. I remember my teenage son, my oldest son was like 16, 17 years old, and he looked at me and he said at dinner one night, he said, Dad, you've really changed. Mm-hmm. And I realized that it was the revelation of that of that principle of honor that God had given me to, to, to preach to his people and to write that book that had changed me. 
And it really, it is so true. We honor, when we, when we honor and value, which honor means to highly value, we value the people that God sends into our life. It opens up the door for heaven's blessing to come upon our life. We don't honor to get the blessing, but this is the result of giving honor. And heaven is a society of honor. People honor one another in heaven. They, they live to serve and value one another. And we get that principle down here, then truly we are living on earth as it is in heaven. That's good. Do you have another book out there that uh, I might have missed along the way that's doing well for you? Well, I would say the book that has probably impacted people profoundly more than any other book that I've written, uh, other than this new one, Good or God, would be Driven by Eternity. And I think when people really understand that we live not for the 70, 80 years, we live with an eternal perspective, I think it really changes the way you approach things. Uh, you don't look at things through the 70, 80 years, so you now start enduring things that you wouldn't normally endure if you were only living for 70, 80 years. You will do things differently. You will be motivated differently. And I think, for me personally, that was one of the most important books I've written. I'm going to have to read it. I have not read that book, and I want to. It's on my list now, and I'm going to fetch it after this podcast. I'm going to find it, download it, and read it this weekend if I can. You know, one of the most touching testimonies of that one, yes. there was a gentleman, he was in the syndicate, and uh, his family could not reach him. Anybody, any of his friends uh, of the family that would try to reach him, he would just literally get, become violent. Mm. And so he had a bet with a guy, and he lost the bet. And the guy said, if I win the bet, you have to come to one of my Driven by Eternity classes. Mm. They were going through the curriculum. He went to it. He got gloriously saved for the next two weeks. He told everybody, he read the entire book like in a day, he told everybody, started winning people, and two weeks later he was killed. And his wife put the, in his open casket, put the Driven by Eternity book so that all these syndicate members, and there were like 400 of them, she said, went by, saw this book and how it profoundly impacted his life. Wow. Is there a better story for an author than that one? That makes, that makes all the hundreds of hours that it took to write that book worth it, just that one testimony. Yes, sir. Well, we're visiting with John DeVere, the author of Good or God, and several other books that you've been hearing about. And just after this word from our sponsor, we're going to come back and visit with Pastor John and his book, Good or God, right after this word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Maranatha Chapel. Senior Pastor Ray Bentley's latest book, The Holy Land Key, is an examination of prophecy that goes beyond the clock on the wall and any speculative timelines. You're going to meet the Old Testament prophets and what they actually saw in the future and learn the historical context of prophecy and then experience the journey of suffering and triumph lived by God's people over the centuries. You will read the true history of Israel and the church. Learn how the biblical ordained feasts celebrated by the Jewish people prophesy the first and second comings of the Messiah. You're also going to read the untold story of Christopher Columbus. Was he Jewish? Was he expelled from Spain because he was? You'll learn how Martin Luther's resentment spelled doom for European Jews. And learn how the blood moon's eclipse pertain to our world events even today. Learn how you can join and step into the story of prophecy and God's chosen people and experience being part of God's plan for the human race. Visit their website, theholylandkey.com. Once again, that's theholylandkey.com. And thank you to Maranatha Chapel for sponsoring this podcast. We're back with John Bevere and his great book, Good or God. And 
John, I, I was so moved by this book, and many of my colleagues who have read it have said probably this is the best book you've ever written. How would you respond to that? Well, it's interesting. Um, I had three national leaders say to me in the last 20 months, they said, John, you're about to come out with a book, and it'll be the most important book you've written to date. It will impact the body of Christ more than anything you've written. And I have to say that, you know, the initial couple weeks of this book being out, I can see that those were truly words from heaven. And so I'm really thrilled because I really believe we're in a very critical time period in the body of Christ. And I believe that if we as the church, especially the United States, the Western church, if we respond correctly to what God desires, I believe we're going to position ourselves for the greatest move of God this nation has ever seen. And so I'm hoping that this will just help direct our hearts towards God so that we can open ourselves to receive that move from heaven. Pastor, you asked a question in the first chapter that I'm going to ask you, and that's, what is good? (laughs) How much time do you have? um, Give us the the microwave version. (laughs) I think I think people are, are are they think that we're born with the inherent knowledge of what's good and evil. And to take it one step further, today in our society, and this has even crept into the church, we assume if something is good, that it's got to be of God. Well, if good is so obvious, why does the Book of Hebrews tell us in Hebrews chapter five that we have to have discernment to recognize? the difference between good and evil. If you look at King Solomon at the dawn of his reign, you know, God appears to him and says, ask me anything you want. And I mean, here he, he can get anything he wants. God has appeared to him and he says, God, give your servant an understanding heart that I might discern the difference between good and evil. Isn't it interesting that Solomon cries out for that? If you, if you look at the rich young ruler, he comes running up to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what do I do to inherit eternal life. And before Jesus even answers this very important question, he looks at him and says, why do you call me good? Nobody's good but God alone. And is Jesus saying that he's not good? Absolutely not, never. He's perfect good. But what Jesus is saying to this man is you have a standard for good, and God has a standard for good, and the two aren't the same. I mean, good is all about reference point. You can have Two different families moving into identical homes. They're three-bedroom, two-bathroom houses. They're $150,000 houses. To one family, it's a bad move. To one family, it's a good move. To family, it's a bad move. They've just moved out of a $2 million estate. To the family, it's a good move. They've just moved out of a one-bedroom apartment. And so what Jesus is saying, again, to this rich young ruler is you are not going to reduce down God's reference point of what is good down to your level. And I think when God, Dr. Green, when God really got this across to me is, here I was getting ready to speak to 5,000 leaders in Sweden. I'm in my hotel room. I've written 10 books, I think, by this point. And I had judged, I was, I was really having a really great time of prayer with God. And I had judged a certain situation to be good. And the Holy Spirit in my hotel room in Sweden said, no, it's not good, and gave me scripture mm-hmm. to show me that it wasn't good. And I remember getting in an argument with him, and I finally slammed my foot down in the hotel room, and I said, but God, all the good that's come out of this situation. And the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, son, it wasn't the evil side of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that Eve was attracted to. He said it was the good side. And when he said that, I literally flew in my Bible over to Genesis 3. It was sitting on the bed in the hotel room in Sweden. And when I read the words, when she saw the tree was good, and the word good leapt up off the page, that it was pleasant, it was desirable to make her wise. All of a sudden I realized there is a good 
that will actually lead us away from God's presence. Right. There is a good that will lead us away from God's best from our, for our lives. And in that hotel room, Dr. Green, I realized what would really deceive, if possible, even the elect in the days we're living in, because Jesus says that, and that used to bug me, bug me, bug me, when Jesus said, if possible, even the elect would be deceived. I'd say, God, that's Christians. And I realized what was going to deceive Christians wasn't satanic rock concerts, it wasn't drug-infested parties, it was evil masked with good. Wow, that's heavy and scary. It is. It is scary, and it's a healthy scary. I mean, you know, Jesus talks about deception so much in the days right before his return. Paul says some are going to depart from the faith, talking about deception, and he's talking about Christians there. He, uh, Peter talks about deception. Jude mm-hmm. talks about deception. So I'm like, wait a minute, there's only one problem with deception, and that's this. It's deceiving. <laughs> the person who's is deceived believes with all their heart they're right, when in reality they're wrong. And, you know, this... This book is not limited to this, and I do not want to pigeonhole what I'm saying to this. The book was printed. It was in the warehouse. But when June 26th occurred and our Supreme Court ruled on same-sex marriage, it, it, didn't, it didn't shock me that our government did that because the Bible says that this world, our world, is alienated from the life of God, where our understanding has darkened the world. What really shocked me was all the Christians. I put out two comments on social media, and I think I had four million views. You did. I watched and And over a million responses. But the Christians that said that we're applauding our Supreme Court's decision, and even comments like love wins. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, my goodness, we have judged what the world calls good, to be good, and we are totally off of what God calls good and what God calls evil. There's a line in your book that I highlighted, and it was that this book does not consist of a list of don'ts. Would you elaborate on that? Because so many folks believe that that's what religion is, that's what being a Christian is, is give me the book of don'ts and maybe I'll have a good life. No, it's not a book of don'ts. It's a book about getting into the life of God. If you look at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and you look at the tree of life, the tree of life was just them living in God, knowing that God would never want anything for them that wasn't good. So it was them trusting in his wisdom. The tree, the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was them evaluating what was good for their life apart from his wisdom. And that is the root problem of, of, of man's relationship with his creator ever since is man saying, I know what's good for my life apart from God's wisdom. And so this is a book of learning how to get back into living in God, realizing he knows what's best for our life. You know, when Lisa and I raised our children, Dr. Green, we told them, anything we tell you to do that doesn't look good, doesn't look appealing, doesn't look satisfying, it's ultimately for your good and the best interest of this family. Anytime God tells us to do something that doesn't look appealing, it believe, we must always know that he is doing it for the, our best interest and the best interest of our family, the kingdom of God, or, or the family of God. And so that is why Proverbs warns us, Proverbs fourteen twelve. there is a way that seems good. It seems beneficial. It seems, you know, wise. It seems acceptable. But its end, where it's going to take us, is the way of death. Yes. And so that, that is the real premise. That is the real heartbeat of this message. When I finished the book, 
<laughs> it's always so funny because this is not in the book. I said to the Lord in prayer, I said, God, this book, what, how do you describe this book that you've had me write to your people? And the Lord said, it's a calibration book. Mm. And that was a real interesting statement to me. I actually had to go back to my engineering days and, and really realize what the word calibration meant. And the word calibration is, is most frequently used as far as gas detectors in a chemical factory. That's where it's most frequently used. Mm-hmm. And all chemical factories have to have an abundance of gas detectors in them. And Honeywell makes most of them. And these gas detectors, they will alarm the people in the chemical factory if there's too much toxicity in the air, because just a little bit of toxicity can create permanent damage in people for life or kill people in a chemical factory. And so I, I, I researched how they calibrate these gas detectors, and it's so interesting. They have to calibrate, right on Honeywell's website, they have to calibrate these gas detectors every single day. The reason is their sensors are compromised by the atmosphere of the, of the chemical factory. And so in order to calibrate them, they have to bring them into a clean air room, and they clean off the sensors, they re-zero out the, the, the gas detector, and then they put it back out every single day. Well, we live in a corrupt environment. It's called the world. And our sensor is our heart. And every day we have to go to a clean room air environment, and that's called the Word of God. Yes. And what we do is when we go into the Word of God, is we, we, we recalibrate our heart, we clean our sensor, so that when we go out into the world, we can do what the Bible says. We can prove what is good and perfect and acceptable will of God. That's why this message is so important, because our environment, the world, is getting more toxic every single day. Yes, sir. You're listening to the Charisma Podcast Network. This is Charisma Connections. We're visiting with John Bevere and listening to him describe his book, Good or God. Just after this commercial break, we'll conclude this interview. Please come right back after this word from our sponsor. God bless you. Many people have a hard time connecting with God as a father because of the difficulty of their relationship with their earthly father. Well, we've got an answer for that, at least a 21-day devotional that will help you understand, receive, and walk in a father's blessings. Could I invite you today to visit Streams, S-T-R-E-A-M-S, ministries.com, backslash charisma. You know how to spell charisma. You read our magazines. Streamsministries.com, backslash charisma. Look for this special offer, the Father's Blessing Combo. Now let's get back to the podcast. And we're back with John Bevere. Pastor, you've, you've said so much already in this interview. I was trying to tell a young person the other day what I thought he could get from this book. This was about a oh, about a 19, 20-year-old, a young man that's got powerful influence, is new to the Lord, but yet uh, mature, is already fairly mature. And then I compared it with someone uh, a little older who got so much from the book. And so this question is, do you think this is equally targeted at, at what, what can this do for a young person? Because most young people don't read books like this. What I believe it can do is, you know, it's so funny. I, I used to say, gosh, here I am, I'm in my early 20s, I'm the stupidest I'll probably ever be, and I'm making some of the most important decisions I'll ever make. Yeah. The woman I'm going to marry, the career path I'm going to follow. So it's so interesting, here I am, the stupidest I'll probably ever be. And so I was crying out as a young man, I'd gotten saved when I was 19 in my college fraternity. 
God gives me wisdom. I don't want to marry the wrong person. I know me. I will pick the wrong person. <laughs> and, you know, God doesn't want us to be robots. He wants us to live a productive life, a fruitful life, with him partnering with us. Yes. I know this is crazy when you think about it, but Paul says we are, we are fellow workers with God. We are joint laborers with him. And so God doesn't just sit there and say, you know, make us like robots, like do this, do that, program in us. No, he expects us to seek and search for his wisdom on how to make wise decisions so we can be fruitful in this life. Well, as a 19-year-old, you're making very important decisions that are going to shape your life. And just as we concluded, you know, that scripture, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. In other words, go to a higher level of thinking and wisdom by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in other words, God just doesn't, you know, give us a manual like it's a five-step manual, you know, in order to be successful in life. He is saying, no, search and seek out for my wisdom, what I deem as being good, what I deem as being wise, so that you will be fruitful in this life. So as a young man of 19 or 20 years old, I want that wisdom of God. You know, it's what Solomon cried out for as a young man when God gives him the leadership of a whole nation. Give me a heart that can discern between good and evil so that I can judge your people correctly and I can make decisions for your people correctly. So, yeah, I would say for a young person reading this book, because what this book is, it's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's a book that's going to align your heart with the wisdom of God, the presence of God, so you will make wise decisions in life. Yes. What is the fastest way to get my hands around this new book, Good or God? Where can we find it? Well, you can go to Amazon.com. You can go to any Christian bookstore. You can even go to the website. There's a website called GoodOrGod.com and, and get it any of those ways. My, my big thing that I'd like to say, Dr. Green, is this. I believe this is more than a message. It's more than a book. I believe it's got to become a movement, the heart of this message. And I'm really wanting to encourage people to share the message. Um, you know, get a couple books, start a group. We have a curriculum. You can do a small group at work. You can do it at school. You can do it at sports club. You can, you can do a small group and really start spreading because I really believe, and I'm going to say this again. I hope I don't sound like a broken record. I believe America's greatest days are before us, but yet we're at a crossroads. If we as the church, because we, the people of God, are the ones that determine if America is going to go through a great move of God. It's not the government officials that we elect. It's we, the people of God, because God has made it so clear if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. He didn't say, you know, the people that are in office. He didn't say the little girl that's about to go into the abortion clinic. He said, my people. If we will humble ourselves, pray, and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, he'll hear from heaven and heal our land. I believe we're in for the greatest days ahead as far as the church goes in this nation. I just want to see us positioned to be able to receive that. That's a message that will preach and will move. It is, uh, it's destined to become a movement. In the summary lines that you share with us just before we end this podcast, describe the movement that you'd like to see happen in your own words. What I've been praying for is, I first of all, I want to see a move of God begin to happen in our schools, in our junior highs, high schools, in our universities, because I really believe 
that the young people are really desperate right now. And I believe that when it begins to happen here, because, you know, when God says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, the first thing he mentions is your sons and daughters. When I go into a church that's really, really cutting edge, really moving with God, the young people are excited. When I go into a church that's got a stale, it's old, it's just formality, it's institutionalized, the young people are sitting in the back of the church and they're bored. And so I really, really believe that our universities and our, our high schools and our junior highs and even our elementaries, we're going to start seeing such an insatiable hunger for the presence and the power of God, and we're going to start seeing it manifest. And I really believe that God is going to do things like he did in the book of Acts, that, you know, I just was in, I just was speaking to 6,000 high school students two months ago. Over 1,000 of them got saved when I preached on the presence of God, and I preached on healthy holiness brings us into the presence of God. There were kids that got healed of tumors. There were kids that got healed of Crohn's disease. This is what I see happening, because what happened was those 1,000 kids that got saved, they went out a blaze of fire into their high schools, into their, into their you know, job markets, wherever they were you know, at that age, and they started spreading it. And that's what I believe it's going to take to really see a genuine move of God. This is a good word, and it's a great book, and I really encourage all of our listeners to find it. Buy four or five, give three away. Obviously, read it in your family. It'll change life. It's a movement. It's time. We need it in America, and I encourage you to buy John Bevere's book, Good or God. Pastor, thank you for joining this podcast. You're a blessing. Thank you for this book. Thank you, sir. This is Charisma Connection. I'm Steve Green. Thank you for listening. God bless you. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.